This episode of Super Pulp Science is brought to you by Curb Angels. The book release launch party is October 22nd at 7 p.m. at McNally Robinson in the atrium. Come on down. Attention, citizens. It's time for Super Pulp Science. This is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made, and we're here with a very full house and a very particular producer today who wouldn't let me start the podcast anyway but this. And one angry wasp. And one angry wasp. We have, yes, there are actually, let's just, everybody make some small murmurs into the microphones to let the dear listeners know how many of you there are. Uh, uh, here. Murmur, murmur. Here, here. here. <laughs> I am here, but I am yeah. silent. <laughs> All right, so going around, we have Dan, our suffering producer, my long-suffering co-host, Justin. We have Lucas, we have Lisa, we have Matt, and we have Chris. And why are you all before us today? Who speaks for you all? Who wants to take the reins on this one? Oh, heck, I will. We have a book. <laughs> yes, you do. This is the creative team of Curb Angels, which is here to tell us how this book, which is new from At Bay Press and quite lovely illustrations by Lisa um, and color separations and book yep. design by Lucas and lettering and lettering you did the lettering yes. too actually Matt told me that you were gonna hand letter it at one point I was and uh, Matt talked me off that ledge pretty quickly <laughs> uh, the page count is I think one but one 120 120 hand and lettering I think that would have it would have been my um, my maiden voyage into hand lettering, Ooh. and I think that might have been a mistake. That might have been your last voyage into hand lettering. <laughs> yeah, precisely. <laughs> yeah. I think you would have hated us by the end of it. Yeah. A slip into madness. Um, I want to ask you all um, the question that I hate being asked myself. I'm going to open with that. And the reason I'm doing that is you're in, the, you're in the beginning of a book promotion, and so you're going to be asked this question constantly, even though it has no actual relevance on the book itself. How long did it take you to make it? Many years. Many. From, from start to finish, I would say roughly about four years from the first time Lisa and I started talking about it to the last page being whatever happened to the last page. That's a Lucas question, but four years, give or take. Can I open as a hostile host? Absolutely. A book doesn't take that long. <laughs> this one did. This one right? did. Yeah. Why? What? I want to know. It was on What's a journey. Well, uh, <laughs> it was on a journey. I want to say, because I've, I've been here on this podcast before and I talked a little bit about it. Uh, my problem was that I would start writing something, get pretty much to the end, hate it, start over. And that happened several times over and over again. Now, how much of that had, did you look at before he would start again, Lisa? You mean his writing? Well, yeah. I, we'd read the whole thing. Oh, she would get every every copy of it. And then yeah. start illustrating? And then he no. would... No. No. Mm -hmm. well, you, <laughs> no. You knew more than I did when I started. Yeah. No, like... Uh, he, she did 30 pages to start. 30 pages I from the original script. Five of those pages are in the final book. Four of them are. Four of them, sorry. The first four <laughs> pages that were drawn in 2015. Oh, 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 are they actually... And you drew it chronologically? Uh, kind Yeah. So this yeah. For, these pages here... That's it's four years later when I flipped to the end? Basically, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. The last, like, the four, first four pages, 2015, the last rest of the 100, like 2019? Uh, 2018, probably 2000, yeah, I would say, yeah, mostly. Interestingly, though, the, 
color separations that you did. It's a it's a two tone book for the dear listener who can't see curve angels in my hand. Um, a luscious blue and a very vibrant pink popping. Do you have like actual names for these colors? Uh, like, magenta and cyan. Woo! Yeah, fifty percent cyan, seventy yeah. percent magenta. Yeah. There, there you go. You go. <laughs> so that's for that's for those uh, deep separators out there. Well, but they the, are it, two. They are two specific uh, Pantones colors. Do you know what they are? Uh, off offhand, I don't. I should, because I. <laughs> that was my job, but I don't. No, okay, so there's a wasp buzzing around the, the podcast mug. area, but you have to remember if you kill a wasp, it draws other wasps. Oh, it's dead. Do yeah. So don't do that. Don't do it around me. Everyone <laughs> relax. Soon. Oh, just September. Let just let it land. Oh, such drama. Let it sting you. That would slow down. It doesn't want to sting you. I want to test it if your meat that it can eat, and then if you resist oh, it. Oh, sting you can do it. You can do it. Right on the, right on the yeah, post. Go, go, yeah. It's like a rodeo. Don't anger it, though. No, no, no. I'm just it's the wasp rodeo. This one knows better. It's been around before. I hope at least 30% of this makes it on the final podcast. <laughs> no, it'll take up the whole podcast. <laughs> this is what I usually do is just ignore it until episode. it's the right moment. Until it's the right moment. You want to come here? You want to come here? Want to love this coffee? Oh, shoot. You know, there are how many human beings, full-grown human beings, laid low by a tiny insect right now? <laughs> they hurt. How did we survive this long? Tools. On the planet Earth. We, we attacked fly uh-huh. swatters. All right. It's off to other things. Okay, let's get back to it. Tell me something about that four-year process. At what point, there had to have been more than one, where you all thought it's not going to happen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for me, so... I met Lisa working at a screen printing studio here in Winnipeg. Uh, she knew that I had an interest in lettering, typography, etc. as a designer. And I just threw it out there. I said, hey, I know you're doing this book. If you're interested, I would love to do the lettering. And she said, I would love to not have to do the lettering. <laughs> uh, that connection was made. And then I reached out to Matt. And then... And this is early in the process? No, this is like probably halfway through. Yeah, we were probably three quarters of the way through. In. Yeah. the time I contacted Lucas. And so that was around like a, a crisp, like a winter time and then like radio silence for a while. I got busy with some other projects uh, with my company and it just kind of fell off my radar. And then we reconnected almost to the day a year later. And I think Matt reached out or Lisa reached out and said, hey, you still interested in doing the lettering on this book? And I was like, yeah, I totally had kind of fallen off my radar, but 100% I'm interested in doing this. And so I jumped back in for the last year of the project which made my job a little interesting as a letterer because there was a lot of lettering already in place. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and you stripped that all out? Yeah, they'd used a, a typeface and I just did some research, found a typeface that I found was a little more unique and a little more suitable for the book. And uh, yeah, I massaged some of the bubbles then. Um, sound effects were all Lisa. I didn't want to touch them because I felt like they already worked really well with the book. And they were illustrated. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I just thought that'd be another roadblock, maybe. Or... Right. Anyhow, it was good. Yeah, like this flick of the cigarette here. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some like big, like big sound effects in in the back of the book that are like multicolored and like. So awesome. what I find interesting about the way you jumped in here is, you came in at the halfway point, 
was asked to do it, and then a year later, like, ah, it's probably not happening. But you guys were already two years in mm -hmm. at the point that he wasn't sure. So what is that like for you guys? And why didn't you quit? What I want to know is why didn't you give up and do a different thing? Because that's what most people do, and I'm, I'm, I, I think it's a testament to this book and to you guys as creators that you stuck it out. I'm one of the world's most stubborn people, just almost to a fault. Um, so where I felt like, oh, this, this isn't going to happen, was every single time I got to the end and thought, I don't like this, I would question, why am I even doing this then? And I'd sleep on it. I wake up the next morning, and I feel a little bit better about it. And I just say, you know what, whatever. I'm just going to keep doing this and see where it goes. And two, three, four, five, up to 11 times, that's, <laughs> that's the last script version is uh, version 11. And uh, yeah, once I got to that point, Lisa looked it over. She said she had an image in her head of what everything would look like. And that's when I started feeling good about it. Uh, it also doesn't help for the longest time we didn't have a deadline. Looking in your direction, Matt. Wasp hormones not only arrest aging, they reverse it. I'd like to get started today. That's too dangerous. There aren't very many publishers that would let a book go that long. Right. So you approached it differently than I have a publishing window, it's by this date or it's not happening. Right. You did something different. Yeah, so organically, um, well, I'd met Lisa at C4 um, and having done that, um, I, I was aware of her work, but she, had, she didn't have anything to, to really show like that. I just, I just liked her art. That, that, that would be the end of that. And then uh, about four years later, uh, she showed up at C4 with Chris um, and they had a little ash can of uh, curb angels and um, I instantly knew that I wanted to publish the book but you know how many how many pages were in uh, the ash can I think 30 no no, no way less, less no we did not do the 30 we or yeah nine. there were only nine yeah it was, it was nine. it was really short like it was it was truly just a I just a snapshot it. of uh, of the book itself but it was enough uh, f for me to see that uh, they, they had something there and then discussions followed. I don't set any pub dates uh, for any books until uh, the book is entering into uh, production. And when I say production, final production. Um, this means that all the editorial is done, um, proofreading is done, the book is, um, is designed, and now we're going into you know, pre-press. Uh, that, that's when I set pub dates. And the reason is, is because um, I can't trust creators. Um, and that's no slight <laughs> against creators. No, it's, it's, just, it's just the truth. Yeah. Uh, you set a pub date. You say it's going to publish in, um, you know, arbitrary date, but March 2020. Um, suddenly, um, a creator has a death in the family. Uh, they, they need to, you know, really, you know, They've got family stuff going on. Uh, that's just one of a myriad of examples that can happen where now the, the, the date is delayed. Bookstores, um, Salesforce, distributors, they don't, they don't care about um, life stuff. They don't care about family. They don't care about any of that. What they care about is, are you going to get us a book on time? Are you going to get us a book? Uh, that we can make sure meets that pub date. So I don't set pub dates until then. And there's another thing that you're being polite not to say, 
Mm -hmm. But I think... Uh, He's being polite not to say it. He just said he can't trust creators. Well, but he, and then he talked about all, the, all these other life things which are beyond our control. But there's another thing that happens. Every creator has in their mind a incorrect estimation of how long their creative process is. Oh, for sure. They want so badly. I think that this is deep in the creative process. You want so badly for people uh, to connect with your work yep. and for your process uh, to be... Uh, what's the word? You want gratification, so you overestimate what you're able to do. Well, I think too, as a creator, you've got you've got the vision, and you can see the end product, and you know you just got to get the time, the hours in to get to that product, right. and you think like, I can do this, I can get this done, and you just like, it's like starting a marathon sprinting, and you're like, that was dumb, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> well, and what also happens is you tend to set your expectations, at least for me, based on the quickest you ever did one page. <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh, I, one time I busted out an entire completely colored and rendered page of illustration in a half a day. So I can totally do the rest of this book at that pace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it won't work. Right? No, you can't. Plus, right? there's, there's pride of ownership too, right? Like, you, you want so badly to see the finished product in print. Right, like so, you you think to yourself, well, I got a publishing deal. I'm I'm gonna knuckle down and really get this done. Um, but but for me, uh, I don't want to see your next book. I want to see your best book. That's that's how I treat every project. So I want to see your best possible work. So when Chris came with the ash can, and then after I saw the script, uh. Yeah, you got about 40 to 50% here, even though he had a complete script. So there was a lot of, you know, cut, slashing, burning. And what did you think of that, Chris? <laughs> well, believe it or not, I actually really enjoyed the process. As much as I hated, here's a 90% written script, um, this section doesn't work, this section doesn't work, this section, as much as I hate that, just writing in general brings me joy, so <laughs> to start over again isn't a big deal to me. I'll do it any day for anything. Well, and there's this other thing that goes on with good, fast, cheap, right? Right. Um, uh, Epe Press isn't some enormous conglomerate that's going to just drop down a whole bunch of money and you can all quit your day jobs and work only on this, right? That's it's, what it's, happened with me, though. That is how you got it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just, 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 just a letter and graphic yeah. design person quit their job to make this book. But the illustrator and writer had to keep at it. Um, but as a result of that, it being a, a largely personal pro project. That was our moment, by the way. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was it. I lost my window. <laughs> Not dangerous at all. Um, hang out in your beard. That. Uh, I lost my train of thought because now I'm really intent on catching this thing. Quick, well, fast, making cheap. money. Quick, fast, yeah, cheap. Quick, yeah. fast, cheap. So since you can't do it, um, you can't just power through and get it done. It does give you a chance to be nostalgic about a previous draft. It does give you a chance to second guess your next move because you're not compressed into time. Time makes you make decisions. If you only had six months, it'd be a different book than it is here. Yeah. yeah, that's but true. But it wouldn't be necessarily better or worse. It would just be different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's my, uh, is my theory about how time affects creative work. And maybe you would have done two books or three books or four books in the last year, but you could never have made this one oh. any other way but this way. 
Yeah, and thinking back on the first draft, it was so incredibly different. We kind of like were saying, oh, this is like some kind of like spy, like. It was very Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible, and like like the girls had weapons and swords and stuff. And it was like a Final Fantasy video game, basically. I don't think we had a solid direction. We just wanted them to be together. <laughs> but it wasn't really until we got Matt involved that it, it really became That it became different. this. I'm reading yeah. from the back of the book. In the post-punk global economy of the 1980s, four young women from very different backgrounds are united by a common goal. Justice. Curb Angels features fearless female characters on a mission that crosses borders and challenges the status quo. In the face of exploitation and violence against women, they carve their own path and leave a touch of well-deserved wreckage along the way. <laughs> what was it? It was a spy thriller before this? Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Yes, I just was. jump back to uh, Matt talking about seeing the ash can and knowing, like, yeah, I want to be involved in this. That's precisely my position as well. When I saw Lisa's illustrations, I was like, this isn't some like, some like flash in the pan, just somebody trying to, trying to put something out because it's one of their passions. This is like, it was bonkers. It was, the illustrations were so good. I was like, I would love to, I'd be honored to be part of the project. I was also really excited when I found out you were Tasha's. Now we have a secret history. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. You want to tell, dun, dear dun, listener, dun. our secret history? Oh, well, back in my third year of university, of 2010, I would say, um, uh, we were matched up to do a project from one of my instructors, Darren Stubaleski, and he said, okay, you guys got to come together and, and make a comic. So Gregory actually wrote me a script. And um, I took my sweet, sweet time finishing it. It was definitely something that wasn't high on my radar at the time. I was still finishing school, and I kept putting it off. And but Here, I did end up finishing this it. Is, this is an important point. Yeah. But it got finished. It got finished. I and it was incredible. It. The thing that was returned to me. Here, here's my. Here's how I did it, Mr. Kamichuk. Here is my <laughs> thing I did. And I'm holding a one-of-a-kind screen-printed comic. Hand. It. Yeah, it's incredible. That I have was a, pink and blue. It was also it pink, was and, pink blue. and blue. Yeah, no blue. My yes, mind. it was. Yeah. It was right the exact on. color. There you go. And it was yeah. so far beyond my expectations. And you know, you get a student, uh, a professor emails you and says, "Hey, there's an interested student in making comics," and you say what you usually say is, "That's nice for them that they're interested, but they don't actually understand what is required." Mm -hmm. People see comics as a low-hanging fruit, and then when they get into it, they realize they actually have to grow the whole tree. Yeah. Right? And Very so true. here you come along, and you have these lofty ideas, and you're like, maybe I can do this, maybe I can do that. And I'm like, yeah, maybe you can. <laughs> <laughs> but right? will you? Well, in this book, at 120 pages, I mean, come on. That's a, that's a lot of work. That is a lot of work. And it's I, an enormous amount of work, yeah. And I, stud I looked at those illustrations for such a long time and just, yeah, it was, I don't know, it's, it's amazing. Dan is now picking it up. I'm just looking at the, the uh, quotes on the back here. I don't know who Richard Connolly is. What? <laughs> I don't know you know doing. what? Um, I, I'll, I'm going to take this one. I'm going to take this one for Dan. Dan came into this podcast and he said to us, one of the things I'm really most excited about is learning the whole world of comics and seeing like how this is all done. Yeah, sure. So, have you heard of Captain Canuck? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. There. I never read it. Oh. 
<laughs> We're going to help you. I've never tested this on human beings. You'll test it on me. Did it leave? <gasps> oh, it's oh, back. back. It did leave, actually, and now it's come back. So, uh, it's four years. It's color separations. It's two-tone. It's... 11 drafts, it's two years of typography. Justin, if I came to you with that story of a comic with that kind of history, would you believe it would get made? No. <laughs> Give us the cold hard truth. What do we um, see all the time? Shows. Finish something first, yeah. and then I'll work on something with you. But most of the time when somebody comes up with big ideas and nothing to back it up, then it's hard to really trust that they're going to um, match the amount of work that they want out of you. So what I want to know is because you're an anomaly, most people quit. And you'll take your time, but you don't quit. Writing can be a tenacious redraft that's part of the writing process, but with art, there's something else underneath it, right? Yeah. I don't know. I guess I just believed in it. I just I wanted to finish it. It wasn't something that I felt... I always called whenever I would make comics the three-page curse. Oh, yeah. I would do it and be into it, and by the third page, like, lose interest. And I have a lot of ideas and comics in my head where I would get to the third page and quit, but I was like, not this time. So <laughs> I, was, I was determined to, to finish it, come hell or high water. It was going to be done. So. Sounds like there's a collection in your future of all your three-page starters. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe. Right? Oh, maybe that after would be put together, right? The beginning of 15 stories. <laughs> the pig's breakfast, right? Three pages. <laughs> but, yeah. then, uh, but then with, like, 20 pages, blank pages, that you can, like, draw the rest? You could fill in the rest. <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, do the work for The finished Lisa's storybook, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I think the big thing, too, is, is that uh, it helps having people know um, what they're what they're doing in regards to um, the, the the comic creating industry or the the job of it the the workload um, so Chris would give uh, his uh, script over um, I would then give it a read and tear it apart this is long before uh, any editors look at it um, and Lisa's not doing any work if she is doing any work, it's thumbnails at best. Mm -hmm. And I told her that. I don't want to see finished pages. I want you to thumb these out once we actually have a final draft. And then once you have the thumbs, send the thumbs. Once you have, like, once we give you the, the approval on the thumbs, then you're moving into roughs. Once you have the roughs and they're approved, then you can move into uh, the final. Which is a pretty standard way of yeah. doing things. Like, for the dear listeners, like, is that what I should expect from most publishers? Yes, you should. I should, with full disclosure, say that I almost will never work under those conditions. Right. Like myself, my own process, I just, I can't. Yeah. Um, because I tend to work on, you know, three or four things at the same time. And if I have to wait for revisions to come back or wait for notes to come back while my momentum is building, yeah. that momentum is gone. I would rather redo finish, like where I am, I'd rather redo finish pages and stay excited then have you pull the excitement out of the thumbnails. And that's just, like, that's just for me. That is, um, for anyone else who wants to work in comics, I would say don't do that. That's a bad, <laughs> that's a bad idea. Not until um, you're in it, right? Yeah. You're doing your own thing. And, yeah. you're... and I'm able to pivot, you know? Like, if I'm doing that on one project, I have two other projects. 
you guys are so shook by this. <laughs> yeah. Did you Fire never head. throw? Did you never throw rocks at a wasp nest in your no. life? Or I've like, been stung by a wasp. Before. Yeah, many, many times stung I by a wasp. So they're. I'm big, on Dan's the, side. Well, speaking of hard workers, wasps are, are very hard workers. They also you work know? with paper. <laughs> they do. Yep. I've I've seen wasps on my fence, and if you listen very carefully, you can actually hear them mulching up the wood. And they chew it into a paste and then bring it back and turn that into the paper that... A little at a time. So yeah. just like comics, so they're creators it's a community as well. effort. <laughs> slowly, community creators. slowly regurgitating their insides for into, a common goal. into pages for a common goal. And while you're working, be a dick to everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. And sometimes you have to eat shit. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Oh, that's perfect. So I missed the uh, the book launch for this was just recent. No, coming up. We're oh, hosting it's coming it. Up. Yeah, we're hosting oh. it. I didn't tell you. All right. Yeah. P.S. We're hosting it. Okay. So what is the plan for the the book launch and the um, like? What follows once it lands? Well, I, I, maybe I'll answer that. <laughs> um, it's October twenty second at McNally Robinson Booksellers uh, at Grant Park Mall. Uh, 7 p.m. in the atrium. Tell us about the debonair MC that you'll have. Yeah, so the debonair MC is, um, are we are we calling you Gregory or GMB? You, call, you know, professionally you, I go by GMB. GMB Kamichik like, will be, did I pronounce your last you name? Did. Thank was, God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, he'll be there doing that. And then we'll have all three creators, Chris, Lisa, and Lucas uh, there to, uh, you know, sit under the microscope. Um, We're gonna do a little Q and A, I hope. Perfect. For the audience's sake. Yes, please. Right, a little uh, live art drawing. You're gonna you're gonna draw what the audience wants I you am. to draw. Yeah, oh, boy. yeah. And then I you're gonna write a script based on what the audience wants, and you're gonna write it. You're gonna letter it in. This I've thought of that. this all. Perfect. Got this all figured out, <laughs> so that the audience can connect to the actual creation of comics and realize that while starting is easy, finishing is hard. They'll mm-hmm. be able to mm-hmm. see that. Right? As you well know, the three-page curse. Mm-hmm. Three-page curse. Yeah. And then, what I haven't told Justin is the party is at our studio after. Oh. Is that okay? I think I'm in Brandon. So okay, perfect. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, just want to say I, I think that's that. the same weekend. The same weekend, yeah. 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 As Brandon called? Yeah. No. Because we're there too. 21st and... The 20th. 19th, 20th. Oh, yeah, there you go. 22nd is the book launch. Gotcha. Do you guys want to um, redo that whole scene as if we all know what's going on in our lives? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it okay so. if uh, it's at our studio, Justin? Yeah. Yeah, oh, great. Because it'll be before or after Brandon Cook? Right after. Right after. Isn't that going to be great, guys? Fantastic, guys. It's going to be yeah. so good. We planned it all so yeah. perfect. Here's what I want to ask you. Uh, there's something real going on under this story. And I mean, it's right there in the description. The exploitation and violence against women is addressed directly. But, so first let me ask you your relationship with that. What? Why? Why? <laughs> oh, okay, we got, we got it. it. We got it. We got it. Pause. Here we go. Here we go. I'm coming with you. do this. Be brave, Lucas. No. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no Lucas. I'm sorry, I bet the poster. We have more. Just. And the poster. It's for all of us. Do it. Do it for us. It uh, is angry. That might be the end of the loss. Did you kill it? Is there a funeral bird music? Oh. The queen wasp paralyzes its victim with its venom. 
comics often sit in this place between that balances between a story that's meaningful or socially conscious and pure entertainment. The illustration, the color design, the graphic design of this book is very entertaining. You flip through it and you're like, ah, this is going to be a kinetic, high-energy book. But there's something else underneath this story that you guys are talking about. Do you want to tell our readers about that? Yeah, well, um, it uh, explores the theme of sex trafficking. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, this is something that I personally have um, been doing a lot of research on. And uh, when I said that the script was very different in the beginning, it was nothing like this. Um, I was trying to think of something that, uh, a story that could mean something and, and somewhat based in reality as well. And uh, the idea came to me because I had been uh, reading books, watching documentaries uh, about this issue. And I kind of just felt compelled that this is something that a lot of people are not necessarily um, talking a lot about, not in mainstream for sure, it's a very sensitive topic. Um, but I think in the last couple of years, it's starting to become something that is uh, uh, being talked about. And uh, I just wanted to, to have a story out there that's, it's a fictional story, but it, it's kind of based on on like very real circumstances that happens. This stuff happens. happens, but you made this, this, stuff happens. this particular story up. Yeah. yeah, this particular story is fictional, but um, yeah, this is, this is something that does happen in real life. And you said it in the 1980s, and it's like set in this sort of punk vibe, yeah. and you know, a subculture or a counterculture movement is often ignored by policing services, by the, yeah. um, you know, the structure that keeps most people uh, believing that everything is fine usually ignores those people. Is that why you said it at this time? I think more than anything it was an aesthetic reason. Okay. Like we didn't have a specific date but I think just the style in which it was drawn. Like I draw a lot of influence from like like uh, punk culture and like late 70s and like I love the big hair. It kind of just naturally happened and we, we set in that time and it ended up working very um, well because of like the area that they're in. They're in Thailand and this is post-Vietnam War and this is something that started to really build up in Thailand as well. So it kind of just worked to get, like it worked out that way naturally to I think, be set in that time. I think too that uh, as, as the publisher of the work, um, and then also as a, you know, just a reader myself. I think that I loved the idea of it being set in the 80s, which was a decade that was rife with, you know, sexual exploitation that was, at the time, in many ways considered acceptable. You know, the, these things were... As long as it happened to those others. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And and um, you know you, you fast forward to today, and now a lot of these, um, you know, a lot of CEOs, uh, a lot, you know, a lot of people who are in power have uh, have been uh, exposed and brought to task uh, for their years and years of um, trespasses against women, or um, not just women, but you get this, I love this, um, this idea of um, looking back at a decade that was overlooked for the most part, 
for its sexual exploitation um, and that um, and its sexual abuse and now you're seeing it against that that background that backdrop of that decade I think there's something powerful about that and for me um, the other item that was that was really great which which is that that post-punk era is that you've you know we were able to build a really cool marketing campaign around that such as the front cover which is um, you know it's a it's it's a lovely ripoff of um, the Ramones uh, album Rocket to Russia so it's a, you know it's the same you know four band members that are up against the wall same colors and everything the poster itself uh, you know the uh, the advertising poster is uh, Blondie's first album and you know there's the whole gang you know set up in the same sort of pose so it, it, it was a lot of fun marketing this as well advertising this um, in a in a way that you know people would recognize and I think that that pink and uh, blue uh, color separations uh, really accentuates that and I think that Lucas has done a fantastic job at, uh, at, at bringing that out. And I think Thank that you. covers and designs like this that are an homage to a previous generation are it's like when you stand on the shoulders of giants, but you're pointing down. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, we're here. But look, that's what, like, we're acknowledging that our influence is there. Yeah. I think, too, I like that it's set in the 80s and not present time. Because there's something about if, you'd, if, we'd, if we, if they had set it in present time, it would almost seem like, I don't know, not like a cop-out, but I'm trying to find the right word for it. It just seems like you're not just taking a contemporary idea and writing a story about it. It's, it feels like it's had a longer history to it or something. From a writing Timeless. standpoint, did those limits, you know, when you set it in a different time period, it immediately places sort of a parentheses around how you write and create. Funny story, I actually didn't even intend to mention a date in the story. Right. I just wanted the story to organically tell itself based on the characters' personalities and whatever, and like Lisa said, she's drawn to the more punk motif, and I think we got to a, a point where we figured, hey, I mean, this may as well be the 80s. Um, I think the major reason why I was okay with that is because you watch a lot of shows these days where it's like everything in the world is happening, and oh, look, my phone tells me everything. I don't need to do anything. I yeah, writing before press and a button, and then all, all yeah. the problems in the world are solved. Writing before and after cell phones is a whole other thing. Yes, yeah. and in uh, everything I write, I try and avoid the technology aspect and just try and focus more on what the characters are doing. I saw a byline in a Screenwriters Guild uh, notice recently. Uh, I'm not a member, but I just like <laughs> lurk around on the forum. Uh, that writing for cell phones is like a point, a bullet point now on your resume like I can write stories that include using cellular technology right in a in a well-crafted way so removing that from your story now I want to talk about something specific we've talked about how your story addresses some um, uh, larger issues but one of the things I like about it is that the characters themselves are not superheroes they're not they're not great they're actually not great people at the point in which one of these characters decides to join the others it's not out of a sense of moral obligation they're tossed an envelope full of money <laughs> that right? is... and they make an offhanded joke about oh well i trust her now she has an envelope full of money yeah yeah there's a, a huge backstory to the characters that we didn't get to touch on um 
which I think if we were to do, it would take away from the story. So I'm kind of glad we didn't. But we know that these people are regular people like you and I. They're probably a little bit more damaged than the average person. Um, I don't know how much I'm allowed to give away without people reading it, but... Not too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is, it's like the, uh, you know, what is it, Stanislavski method? It's like you're like deep in the method. You have the story that came before and the story that comes after in the mind of the actor, right, for the character that they're playing. And you've done that with Curb Angels. Mm -hmm. In your mind, it's bigger than this. Yeah. Right? But it's, this is how you see it. This is all you get. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, these characters are quite old. Uh, like, I've had them in my head for since I was a child, basically. So I draw them all the time. But I just, they've evolved over time. And I just, what? what do you, you want to tell people what they originally looked like? They were like? cat people. Yes. Yeah. This was they a were cat furries. They were cat they people. They were furries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Yep. So what? Thank God I didn't see that version. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's me. Do I still remind you of your mother? Let's imagine a different past where they brought you a version of this as cat people. Yeah. Hard pass? Because uh, oh. I just did a book about cat people and dog An Anthropomorphic yeah. uh, cat bird man. tackling of um, the sex slave trade. Uh, that's a tough one. Do um, you want to bring up the Cats movie trailer? Here's here's what I can tell. No. <laughs> the 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 character Waffles, who's sort of the uh, the we'll call it the uh, the the ringleader of of the four girls, who brings them all together. Um, there's a scene in the original presentation that Lisa gave me of um, the art, the, a particular page where she makes her entrance on this uh, this giant Clydesdale horse, and to me it just seems so unrealistic and just so not what that character should be about um, that I just go back and redo this and think of something else other than a horse my god like let's let's tone this way down <laughs> let's make this let's make this more um, approachable um, to like you know okay let's pause at that moment that's a hard moment for an artist to put in a whole bunch of work on a finished page, show it to someone, and then say, no. Well, actually, in the scene he's talking about, I just uh, erased the horse and drew a bicycle instead. <laughs> problem solved. Yeah, yay, Photoshop. Oh and God, it did sorry. solve the problem. Yeah. Um, and I think at that point, Lisa and Chris both realized that we've got to... That used to be a horse. Oh my goodness, that was a horse. That was yeah. a, horse. a horse. I like that bicycle sequence. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. And, and there's something comedic about it too, which was which really lightened um, a lot of the darker stuff that's about to ha like you know has 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 happened and is about to happen. Um, but what I really also liked is is that they both took their cues from that that subtle um, early editorial advice, and that was we have to humanize these characters. Um, they are not. Uh, superhero. So Waffles appears in this cat suit, but in a few frames down the road, I shouldn't say a few frames, a few pages down the road, um, she's just in regular pants and a shirt and suspenders and sunglasses. And there's something so um, normal about that. Uh, and you've seen her in a cat suit. Question about the main character, Waffles. Is that because she's off? Like, is that a 
intentional play on words. Like to me, she waffles between being good or being bad. Like she takes on the. Oh, I like behavior. that. Is that not intentional? Let no. I didn't nice. say it is. It, it is just now. became intentional. Let's pretend the last ten seconds never happened, and let's just say yes. Yes, it is exactly yes, the intention. <laughs> well, and that's the interesting thing about a book is that an audience fills it up with what they are. They like it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like. Yeah. I think that says more about me and my willingness to waffle between good and evil. Well, it's like <laughs> if you listen to music, you can have a song that thousands of people listen to and they'll each get something different from it. So I imagine the book is very much the same. So what's next after the lunch? You guys are doing Brandon. No, Brandon will come first. Mm -hmm. Then what else? Book two. You are doing a sequel. We've already started talking about book two and we have a pretty decent idea of what we want to happen will it i gotta be the one to say it i say no right away will it take four no. years <laughs> <laughs> no no it will not take four years what will be different this time uh i don't know we already kind of have um uh the whole style and everything laid out i have my own method i know how i can work if we just have a script that's solid then we could chug this thing along a lot quicker. I'm gonna look it up. I actually did a blog post about the way we work and I had like a, a specific bullet point method of how we do it. Um, you can keep talking while I'm You made a plan, but um, plans never survive contact with the enemy and the enemy is the deadline here. I wanna so. say like it won't take yeah, four life. years. It will not take four years. It will years. not take four years because the first two years was us trying to figure out how we work together. And, and also what the story was going to be. What the story is, exactly. And um, like it was you said, a struggle. cat people in a Mission Impossible. They weren't cat people at that point. They were cat people a long, long time ago. <laughs> Did we do that? How often does that happen to us, Justin? Where we, how often do we pivot from the original? Not very often. Not very often. Yeah? Well, little pivots. Little pivots. Like the, the first script of Cassie and Tonk had a very different ending and very different middle. Oh, that's true, yeah. Rust and Water changed quite a bit. We didn't have the ending of that book until two weeks before the print deadline. Until the print deadline, yeah, we yeah. figured out the end. We knew where the shape we wanted, but we didn't know how it would look. Yeah. We trusted that it would kind of organically happen yeah. and didn't try to figure it out. Yeah, which is amusing because it's increasingly become the way that big budget films are produced. They, produ they get the first and second act solid, and then in production often, figure out the last. Hmm. But how long have you two been working together for? Since 2013? Yeah, so for a while. Okay, but we so started on that. That's kind of a similar We met in 2013, but we didn't then. really start working until 2015. It was 2012. That was when Comic-Con yeah. was? 2012? Yeah. The, you know, okay. yeah. Oh. That busts my theory. Oh. <laughs> and what you were going to posit is that yeah. once you've worked together for a long time, it's okay to do that. Yeah, you iron out those kinks and you, you do have that back and forth, but it's a little more natural. You kind of, like being on, a, on the same sports team, you kind of, you know what you can anticipate, kind of what another player is going to do. So right. you kind of know that this is what might happen and... You're like almost anticipating certain things. But like at least with sports, there's a time limit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? So are you, have you guys set an eternal deadline then? Oh, well, that's, uh, that's up to Matt. December. That's no, Matt no, it isn't. <laughs> no, it isn't. Now, he left the room, I think, to go oh, settle his, his parking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or flee from the wasps or something. Yeah. Uh, 
But it's not up to him. I'm going to say this to you two while he's not here. I mean, to be fair, uh, when I would it's, write a script... No, I'm would... not letting you be fair. I'm going to finish my angry, uh, okay. sort of point. Bring here. it on. If you leave it up to him, yeah. you'll always be able to convince him that you're not finished. True. So uh, what I was just about to say is that, to be fair, I would give myself writing deadlines. Like, we would, I have my list if you want me to read it after, but uh, we would sit down and we would talk about what we want to do, and I would say, okay, by the end of this week, I want to have everything we talked about in a script and sent to her. And I think it's, we just gave ourselves little deadlines like that a week at a time, and I'm just going to No, again, anyway. this is because you guys are working around the rest of your lives. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, we this both have full time at all. I mean, she's got two jobs. I have a full time oh, job. I have jobs. a family now. So I, I don't even know what creation looks like at home anymore because I haven't done it in six months. And I think it's important to be out front with that. Like, people see a book on the shelves and they assume, oh, if only I had all the time in the world, I could do that too. Yeah, but like, you guys clearly don't have any time in the world and yet you're still we sticking with it. We find work. a way. Like Jeff Goldblum said, life finds a way. <laughs> I think, I think he, he was talking about dinosaurs. I got that. I think right I'm now. in a little bit of a little bit of a better position because I do run my own graphic design studio. So I can choose to devote part of my day right. to working on the comic. Um, granted, it doesn't earn me the same wage as with some of my other clients. <laughs> right. But I can fit it into my day probably a little bit easier than than Lisa and Chris can. So did you which find is nice? that on, you know, when you do freelance work or you do your own, when you're your own boss like that, when you have a particularly good day, like that client paid on time, they, we build them properly, oh, great cushion, and you had a few extra hours, did you say, ah, now I'm gonna work on this one? Because the- No, 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 this is like, this kind of became, Curb Angels became, um, I don't wanna say client number one, but they always kind of became priority because I knew that, we were at that point when I was brought in, there was the murmur of deadlines. Right. So I was a little bit more under the gun than Lisa and Chris ever were. And I mean, by the time they were kind of done and it was on to me, it was really all on to me. Right. Like lettering, design, and print. And then we had a little bit of a hiccup right near the end where um, Matt had always told me it was going to be uh, two colors and, and black. And I was getting all these PDF files in CMYK. And I just didn't really think about it at the time. I mean, I thought about it, but I was like, well, Matt knows what he's doing. He knows that these are all CMYK. Like, and then we sent the file off to the printer, and they were like, yeah, but here's the thing, guys. This is all CMYK, not two process colors in black. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's, I saw that coming. I saw that coming, <laughs> and I should have said something. Yeah. The and then power. so that was on a, like a... A Friday, because when do you deliver files to the printer? Friday, yeah. of course. Uh -huh. um, and Matt shoot, like, brings me into the, this email thread. And I'm like, all right, well, looks like this weekend I'm sitting in front of my computer and like redoing all these pages to, yeah. And then because of the, there's some half-toning stuff, that, issues that came up too, that I just, I bitmapped everything, brought it into InDesign, did my colors in InDesign and you did the coloring in InDesign yeah whoa yeah because everything was a I did every layer as a bitmap tiff so I my oh. so my my line work was like through the roof high right so like perfect line work and then just you drop the colors in InDesign but I mean that's how I work as a designer right so I think that's well it's like the way you hack out 
Illustrator's not meant to do what you do, but you figured out a way to make it work, right? Yeah, so I, I mean, I set up Photoshop Actions to, to, to bitmap halftone or bitmap the, the CMYK art. I think it also was the, the way Lisa had illustrated it worked perfectly for me to be able to do that. Right. Anyhow. The halftone problems or the... Uh, the color problem, this color, the, 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 more the, and the, uh, the CMYK. To yeah, we were to oh, colors. yeah, the CM. Okay, so yeah, the, the, and maybe this has already been said, but the, the printer came back and said, Every, all, the, all the files are in CMYK, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, well, don't you want this in, in two color? Yeah. And they're like, well. That's not how it works. Well, no, <laughs> it, it, it could be. Yeah. Like, they, they could do it in CMYK, but that's full color, right? So they're like, but, but don't you want to save some money? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, well, then send us the files in two color rather than CMYK. And you've probably already told the story about. He did. Yeah. He dug deep. Yikes. He dug deep, and he pulled it out. That's why you were able to quit your job and do only this. Yeah. Yeah. As you said. Yeah. So they're paying the big dollars. Yeah. Samson, come on, let's get out of here. Another great story. I tell Matt, here's some files. It's like a Tuesday. Get the revisions to me by Thursday because I'm going on holidays for mm -hmm. 14 days, 10 days. Uh, I won't be able to look at them. Won't be anywhere near a computer. Don't hear back from him. Go on holidays. First day of holidays, Monday morning. Look at my phone. Oh, there's a message from Matt. Hey, here's all the revisions. Can I get them by Tuesday? And I'm like losing my mind, like, oh man, I'm on holidays, I'm outside of the city, talking to my wife about, okay, do I just drive back, do these revisions? And, and I'm like, no, man, I told him that I was going to be here, I can't, like, I don't want to ruin my holidays. <laughs> so I stress over it for a, for a whole day. Oh. And the next morning, I'm like, okay, wake up, and I'm like, I got to send this email. So I draft this email, and I'm like, Matt, I'm sorry, I'm nowhere near a computer. Um, as soon as I get back, it's like top priority, I'll get the changes done probably in a day, I can really hammer it out. And I said, I'm really sorry, but I thought I had told you about this last week and blah, blah, blah. And within like half an hour, probably even less, email comes back saying, Lucas, I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. I've got stuff going on too. So there was like, yeah. Can I make a point here though? A lot of people working freelance in comics would not assert themselves that way. No. And, that is, and to have that clear boundary. But if I, I told you I wasn't available, and I'm still not available, and you're just going to have to work around it because I already gave you notice. Yeah. So rare for someone to do that. Well, I think maybe that's too from running my own business. Yeah, that I, I, know what it's, I know what it's like to tell a client. Like, and I think, too, it's not like I had just said, hey, dude, I'm a hot on holidays. And he'd be like, why didn't you tell me you're going to be on holidays? I'm like, that's, and that's kind of what I do with all my clients. I, yeah. Very open lines of communication. If I'm not going to be around, like, I'm not going to be around tomorrow morning because I'm doing a podcast, so you're not going to get any revisions. Right. Yeah, and I'm My not, clients know that. I'm not sure who in our HR department approved your vacation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but but uh, they're going to hear about it. Yeah. Hear about it it was a paid vacation, too. So <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know what? I, uh, you, uh, uh, Gregory's touched on this perfectly, which is he did tell me. Um, I knew. And I, I, it just slipped my mind. And uh, then when he brought it up, oh, man, did I feel terrible. <laughs> I just thought, oh, man, he must. Like, I know how I would have felt. And I would have been stressing about the fact that, like, there's this this really important thing going on 
back home, you know, I threw up the, uh, the quotations there, back home. And um, yeah, I, I would have been just so upset about that uh, for so many different reasons and it would have, it would have really bought, like wrecked my vacation. So it, for me, it was really important to get back to him like immediately and well, say- and We're talking meta now, right? Because it's kind of like the world of Curb Angels is the world where if the boss said something, you shut up and did it. Yeah. Right? But we're not in that world anymore. Mm -hmm. We're, you know, it's 2019 and you're still human beings. And yep. you said no and you've kept to your boundary and you apologized for forgetting. Like, this is a better, more healthy work environment than I think. The other certainly than my dad worked in when I was Well, the other thing too is, is that, um, and yes, you know, Lucas is on a, like was working on a contract. Um, which, I mean, he's his own boss, I'm not his boss. But even if he was working for me, um, that, that it just, like for me, that just, it just bothered me so much that I'd, for, I'd forgotten. And, uh, you know, I'd, you just don't get paid enough in, uh, in, in, in the creative arts, at least from my many years of experience having run a publishing company, we just don't pay these people enough to uh, paint them into a corner. Right. And, and for me, it's like, there, there, there really does, like there is no, there is no corporate aspect to, like, like from, from a, an approach perspective. I, I need to work with people in a very real and understanding and human way and Lucas told me that he was going on vacation, which is all that you could ever hope for is just having a heads up. And then the second piece is, is just making sure that you're being fair. <laughs> you know, that's really what it comes down to. And I'm not saying that's what every other publisher is going to do, but, or any other business for that matter. But I, I, I find that I get a lot more um, of the great side of people if we just are able to talk things out and just work through them. And I think too that I would have already at that point in our relationship set a precedent for when Matt would ask for something or when, like, when there's like deadlines to be met and things, I turn things around quickly. That's just the way I work. I try and get it done because I don't know, working for myself, I don't know what's coming up next. So if I turn things around quick, I can respond to things that are coming up next. Where if I let them sit for a bit and all of a sudden some big project comes up, now I'm like, ah, man, I really wish I would have worked on that two days ago and got it done because now I have to do that and this other big thing coming up. So I think setting that precedent with him and him knowing that I'm a responsible person also makes it an easier decision for him to say, dude, sorry, forgot, enjoy your time. Let's attack it when you get back. Right. But that's the beautiful part about working with, um, with people that you can trust um, and I know that I'm contradicting myself here, Dan, because I said you can't trust creators. <laughs> um, but you can trust creators um, from the perspective that uh, you know what their work ethic is and you know what they can do. And the last thing I want is for Lucas or any other creator for that matter to say, in their head, they're like, there's no way I can get this done. But they make a promise that is twofold, either that they will get it done and it'll be a hack job, which is the last thing that we want. We don't, like publishers, don't publish that kind of stuff. And then the second piece is, is that, um, you know, we do want them to, to turn it around in a, in a way that like, this is the best that you've got, right? Like mm -hmm. this is the best that you can do. Well, an experience teaches you. When I heard that the book was like 
long in the tooth, I did not for a second think it wouldn't get finished because of our pre-existing relationship. Lisa, I was like, yeah, well, she'll finish it because yeah. she finishes things and it's going to be awesome because the things she finishes are amazing. So it might take some time, but wait for it. But yeah. that's the exciting part of, about working in the arts uh, and working with creative people is that there is a lot of faith and trust. Um, I just won't set pub dates around it. <laughs> <laughs> But, but right. that's, that's the truth, is that I, I won't because there's too many things that can happen, but at the same time, that's what makes it so exciting and that's what makes it so great, is that these people know that they've got a job to do, but, but there isn't um, this all-powerful, iron-fisted boss, you know, pounding on the table saying... That's Justin around here. Yeah, yeah, get it, get it done, get it done, get it done, um, you know. But I think there was, earlier we were talking about, like, did you, was there ever a point where you thought it would never be done? And uh, I do remember specifically turning to my husband and saying, ah, this is just not going to happen. Maybe I should just quit. And I did get to a point where I'm like, I'm over it. And then literally the next day, Matt sends me an email and says, hey, we're going to Toronto Comic Art Festival. You need to uh, step up your game and finish all this stuff. And then I was like, ooh, and I was, had a new fire in me and like started working. Did like, I guess. say it that way? Oh no, you God. didn't. Well, I have the email, but. Step up your game. Step up your game. You told me that now we have like, we need to have legit dates when this thing's coming out and we need to like that was that was like the that was since like what like march or something and tcap is like mecca for the indie comic scene too yeah right? to know you can go there and yeah watch. yeah 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 we gave out uh we gave out about i think i did a run of like 350 uh teaser comics like a second edition of the teaser comic and uh we added a few extra pages of uh, story and art. Um, I think the original was 15 and then we did what, 20, 20 pages? Something like that. Yeah. yeah, like an extra five pages of story and art. Uh, Lucas was on board at that point. He wasn't for the first teaser comic and uh, you can see a real difference for the lucky people out there that have both. You can see a real difference. Um, and so yeah, we got that out there and, uh, and, and I handed out 350 copies uh, for free to, to, the, to the swarms of crowds, and I think it took maybe three minutes to get them out of 350 copies, right? Like that's, they were all too eager to, like, you know, at the point when you're handing out a free comic, um, people are coming up to you going, can I get one of those? So, um, this is where we put in the free lanyards sound. Free lanyards! So real quick, as we approach the end of the episode, I want to go around the table, well, I won't quite be around the table, but I'm going to ask for the dear listener to lay out a panel of comics, all right? You're going to come up with a story. You're going to come up with how you'd lay that out and what lettering elements you would add to it, mm. all right? The dear listener didn't see that, but I pointed menacingly at every person whose job is entailed there. Okay, so somebody wants something, complication ensues. Go. Sorry, what's happening? <laughs> Give me a name of a character. Um, I don't know, Waffles. Waffles wants? Okay. Waffles. Waffles wants Waffles. Yes. What is the complication between Waffles and the Waffles? Uh, the Waffle House is on the other side of the city, and she doesn't have enough money for it. Perfect. How do you lay this out? Uh, what's panel one? Panel one. Um, 
She it might be like a, a, a full shot of her kind of standing in her kitchen, cupboards are empty, and she kind of has a look on her face where she's like, oh, there's nothing in here. Or it's just, it's all in her expression. Clearly there's nothing in the kitchen. Stomach what is Now your eyes looked up and to the left into that creative space. There. Yes, that's what I, I'm doing. Right, it's right there. I'm drawing it in my You're head. drawing it in your head. Yeah. What is the point of clarity? What is the thing that's solidified for you where I can make this work in a single panel? Oh, what is an empty seeing? box of waffles. An empty box, all right? <laughs> so it's tied directly to the through line of the story. Now what elements do you put in there? To, to create this longing in the text. Yeah, I think the the type is like throwback to like a 50s. So it's going to be set present day, but the lettering is like classic 50s kind of comic book lettering because she's going to a Waffle House that the Waffle House has that super throwback oh, old school like look. Old so you're pop still in business. Yes, yeah, so you're kind of like that um, that California 1950s What's that architecture called? Diner? Go, Art Deco. Art Deco. No, not Art Deco, but like go. It's all, all like super angular. Uh, it's Reagan Gothic, uh, or some people call that the Gernsbeck Continuum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's got that kind of kind of throwback to it. <laughs> Dan looks at me. You would know that. <laughs> um, and so that way you bring in a really neat typographic element into this conundrum that Waffles is facing. All right. Now, deadline problem. You have to get it done by tomorrow. What changes do you make to your story? Over to you, Chris. Throw it out and start over. No. no. I'm joking. Um, does anything have to change? How do you get it down to one page? How do I get it down it to one page and keep it interesting? OK, so I'd probably say something like, Waffles wants to do this task. She has $2 in her pocket. Draw a scene of her, I don't know, panhandling or playing guitar on the street, and then have the next thing her walking into the Waffle House. All right. How do you take that pretty straightforward story and make it visually interesting now? And now deadline is the crusher here. Given all the time in the world, you could do all those great things, but now deadline is. Are we talking one page now? Yeah, it's down it's to one, one page. page. How do you make this know. whole thing interesting in one page? Um, divide it into four panels. Uh, creatively, it doesn't have to be just four simple blocks, and then uh, do exactly what he just said, panhandling. Draw, draw <laughs> waffles much, right But I want to talk specifically to the person who is drawing this in their head. Um, what is the ratio of panel? How big are they? Why are they that big? What information does that provide? Um, I don't know. I'm trying to visualize this now. I know, I love watching Using my hands. <laughs> I'm thinking the last panel will be the largest because it's the satisfactory she made it to the Waffle House. Uh, the, the panel before where she's panhandling, it's maybe not as important, a little bit smaller. Previous panel. Uh, I'm working backwards, by the way. Sometimes I do that. <laughs> um, maybe the first two are equal. They could be equal. Or maybe this, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right. There's my tangent. So then, for me, this is going kind of in a different direction at the very end, this like larger shot. And I would throw something back to Chris and Lisa, saying, let's toss a just really tiny on the door, uh, sorry, close for renovations. Just to get a little like, it's kind of this full story, and then 
you might have the satisfaction. reader will find something. Yeah, else. like, oh, nope, this didn't work out like we thought it would. And final panel, she's eating Eggo waffles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Because, yeah, nice. See? Okay, so start to finish. That's how you make a comic, ladies and gentlemen. This has been Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. Specifically, we've been talking about Curb Angels and talking to Chris... Uh, the writer, and Matt, the publisher, and Lisa, the illustrator, and Lucas, the typographer, about how you make a comic. Justin piped in once in a while, but mostly he was on Wasp Patrol, and we appreciate that. Um, join the fight. Make comics.